Every company has breakdowns in their revenue process. Sure thing deals slip into next quarter, competitors creep in and swipe deals away at the last minute, and deals getting single threaded that don't get to power. These are just a few examples of revenue leak, but there are a ton more, and they're preventing your team from reaching their sales targets. That's why I'm such a big fan of Clary's revenue platform. It's the only tool that actually helps leaders take control of their revenue and thrive through any market conditions, especially when things get tough. You can't afford to miss a single detail, but you also can't be leading by gut. Clary combines the science and the art of sales and sales leadership. So go to Clary.com if you want to answer the most important question in your business. Are you going to meet, beat, or miss on revenue? Welcome to the Live Better, Sell Better podcast with your host, Kevin Dorsey of Inside Sales Excellence, the number one Patreon group and YouTube channel for tech sellers and tech sales leaders, where we dive in deep for tactical advice on how to book more meetings, close more deals faster, and lead sales teams to success. But we don't stop there. We also focus on the person in salesperson. We talk about mindset, goals, time management, and so much more. So thank you for listening. And if you're interested, head on over to patreon.com slash inside sales excellence. Now with that, grab a notepad, get ready, and let's dive into the good stuff. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Live Better, Sell Better podcast. This is your host, Kevin Dorsey, a.k.a. KD. And boy, oh boy, I hope you have your earmuffs ready today, kids, because I consider myself an avid swearer, but my homegirl, Emmy Johnson, that I have on the show today gives me a run for my money as well. So I have Emmy on here to talk about the mastery of motivation. Right, how to get the most out of your sales development and really any rep out there because she's someone that I greatly admire in the industry around this. Now, she's been at Zero Fox for the past five years selling into like tech, tech people, right? She's not just selling salespeople to salespeople. She's going after really hard people to get in touch with. She's been a long-term member of the Girls Club as well. She's led teams internationally, scaled from scratch, creates some of the most badass cultures you've ever seen, brings the house down when she's presenting at these conferences. I mean, I've been a fanboy now for about, well, about four years since I think we met at Topo a while back. And so she's a hell of a leader, a great person, a phenomenal mother as well. And I'm so excited to have her on the show today. Today. Emmy Johnson, welcome to the show. What an intro. I swear, Kevin, you're like my hype boy. You should be. I'll do it. I should just pay you to be my hype boy wherever I go. This is great. I'm in. You know, like I, I might just do that. Just before you walk into a room, I'm just the one that walks in, lets people know what's happening, carry my personal fog exactly. machine. It'll be phenomenal. Fog machines, all the things. I'm, I'm down. Hell yes. Well, so what people love about this show, Emmy, is we, we don't do the fluff. We get right into the good stuff. And so I want to start off with a pretty loaded question and see where this goes. But how do you get the most out of your team? Right? Oh start there and, and watch where this conversation goes. This is, that is an extremely loaded question. Um, ask me tomorrow. I might have a different answer. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with like my management style. Um, I feel very fortunate that that 
you know, the reps that work under me and the managers that work under me are very loyal to me. And I think a lot of that has to come from kind of my personality, you know, as you know, like I think Christine at Topo said, I was like the female version of you, which I take as a huge compliment, <laughs> Katie. I'm just saying. I'll take it. I'll take um, it. But I, you know, I, I think a lot of people are familiar with the book Radical Candor by Kim Scott. Like I, I think that I kind of naturally um, lead like that where um, if you haven't read the book, it's basically the intersection of like giving tough feedback, but also caring personally. And so finding that like balance of the two. So if you just give tough feedback, you don't care. You're just an asshole basically right. bottom line. And then if you care too much, but don't give feedback because you care too much and you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, then you're kind of weak and like the person never knows where they stand. And so it's kind of finding this balance of this too. And I think I kind of do that naturally, which is why I feel like I'm very fortunate enough to have a lot of, um, loyalty and the people that work for me. And, um, I, I do think that's part of the reason that I'm able to demand respect and demand, um, kind of the outcome that I'm looking for is because I'm able to give tough feedback, but they know it's coming from a good place. So I can, I do ask them, like, I do know what's going on, like how the weekend was, what's going on with their family. I'm very, I, I care, but I can also be like, yo, dude, you're fucking up. You're not like, what's going on? And they're not like crying and taking personally. It's almost like that, you know, parent, like I'm disappointed in you. Like, shit, I really like messed up. Like mom's mad at me. What do I do? Um, but I'm able to do that. I think because of the way I interact with them, you know? So, um, you know, getting the most out of your team, of course that's, you know, that in and of itself, I don't always get the most out of them, but I do think that, um, you know, I'm able to push them a little bit because they know I genuinely care. So. so where do you think your leadership style evolved the most over time, right? Because I know early on, I think I erred more on the pushing too hard could maybe be an asshole and I learned how to come from a place of care. Is that a similar growth from you or do, were you just naturally oh, rad I was perfectly actually, radically candid before oh. all this? Yes. Perfectly random, radically candid all the time. No, I was actually the opposite. I think I was too nice in the beginning of my career. And I remember when I say all the time, I learned a lot of things the hard way, you know, especially early on in my career, I had, um, the fortunate like situation of managing, I was still selling. Um, but I worked at a recruiting firm. So I had recruiters that worked for me. So at a really young age, I was still selling, but I had recruiters that worked for me that I was managing. And I think I was sometimes too nice. And so I think a big part of it too, is like, you know, we talk about this a lot about like hiring the right people and really having interview skills. And I will say this, like staffing was not for me, but I did learn a lot of things that are really important. Like like interviewing skills and not only being an interviewee, but how to interview and ask hard questions and find out what you're looking for. And I think that's really important. But I remember early on, you know, I made a couple like bad hires because I was like, Oh, I really like this person. They're nice, whatever. And they were terrible. And you realize how quickly that's such a time sink to have like a bad hire and it's your fault. Like you hired them, but they require so much of your time and attention and you really need someone that's going to, you know, take ownership and, you know, and learn outside of work and like ask questions and just kind of go, um, especially when you're an individual contributor too, that you, you don't have time to like spend to, you know, kind of manage them. So, you know, I did learn 
some of the, the hard way. And I think over time I evolved with having the importance of like finding that balance, but also like really challenging them because I also realized that I wanted to be challenged by my superiors. So, you know, I wanted them to give me feedback and not just blow smoke up my ass and tell me I was great. Like, I don't, I don't want to hear that. Where am I doing bad? Cause I want to make changes. Like I want to know if I'm not performing in a certain area because I want to fix it. If you don't tell me, like, how do I know? And I say that all the time to my reps, like, if you have a problem, I can't help you if I don't know about it. So same thing. Like I realized that's what I would want as an employee. So I need to give that too. Yeah, no, I, I love that because we all are growing, right? Like the leader I am now is very different than the leader I was even three years ago, five years ago as we grow. And it's funny, that was actually a shift I made personally as a leader was remembering that not everyone wants to be the led the same way I like to be led. Totally. Right? And that used to be something like, oh, this is how I would want to be led. So I'm going to lead you this way. And then learning how to tailor that. And so how do you tailor your leadership style per rep, right? Because not every rep is the same. So like how, let me, I'm going to rephrase this question. We can keep it tactical. How do you learn how a rep likes to be led? That's, that's hard, but I was going to touch on that too. When you yeah. said that, if you didn't go there was, it is really, it's not a one size fits all. Like you can lead everybody the same way. It is really important to figure out like how someone needs to be managed and coached. Um, finding that out is, is harder. Um, I don't know if I have any tricks up my sleeve, but I think just getting to know them. And I had that conversation with them early on of kind of like what they want, want and need from me. And I, I find that sometimes reps actually think they want one thing and you realize that they actually think they want that, but they can't handle it. So for example, you know, some reps will say, I want you to like, tell me like it is and whatever, you know, and then when you do, they're like, like, uh-huh. so I think there's like, okay, but I'll start there. If you're saying like, you want tough feedback or whatever, I will certainly start there. I've, I'd have some reps to work for me. And one of my managers right now, when he was an SCR that reports me, he was like, you're not hard enough on me. You know? Um, he was like, I want you to like, fuck me up if I'm doing bad. And he's still like that as a manager, but some people are not like that. And so I think, I think finding that balance. And like you said, you know, I think you just learn over time. And I think having that conversation up front, like, how do you want to be managed? How do you like to be managed? And I think you start to realize like some people can't handle what they think they want or need. And then you just adapt a little bit. Um, I'm never going to err on the side of like being too nice where I don't give you direct feedback and I don't, like tell you, but I think some people like a little bit like more, I guess, harder feedback than others. Um, so I think it's just like adapting to the, the people. Do you find, or do you intentionally look for things in the hiring process that you think are unique to working for you? Right. So well, there's always, char- you know, there's, there's characteristics, yeah. you know, asking sales like, Oh, you know, they need to be yeah, ready. Yeah. Oh, they- but to work for you, they need to be different than working for a me or somewhere else. Are there things that you look for that you know are like unique to your culture, your leadership style? Um, Well now like it's a little bit different because I give more autonomy to the managers that are hiring. If they have a certain style that works for them, but they still, everyone still like interviews Mm -hmm. with me. Um, And so to me, what's most important, there's certainly, there's certainly, things about being an SDR, for example, that you need to have, like that grit and stuff like that. Um, 
but really I want to see like people that will take initiative and learn outside of what we're teaching them. I think we have a really good playbook and we will teach them all the things and we adapt the messaging and this and that, but people that are like hungry on their own to learn more and to be better and then ask questions and like are really resourceful, I think is really important because, you know, Zerofox, for example, is a, is a growing company. We're not really a startup anymore, but like you should know who to ask and not always just rely on your manager or also, you know, don't just sit back because they're not like in your face telling you something. Like if you want to know, ask and, and, or ask the rep you support, ask the SE, ask whoever, because that's important. And also like the people that are, you know, that grit we talked about of like wanting to be at the top of the leaderboard and not being okay with mediocrity. Like those are all things I look for, which it was funny. We were talking recently about like hiring athletes, which I don't think there's, I've, coach plenty of people or manage plenty of people that were not athletes that make great sales reps. They're awesome. But there is something to be said for why that translates because usually athletes are used to being stack ranked. They're not, you know, they're used to being like getting tough feedback and knowing where they stand. So I think some of that stuff is kind of a transition. Like it's, it's the same in sales. So you're used to that. Um, but I, you know, I don't only hire athletes. Let me just say that. Um, but I do think that they are a little bit, they can take criticism a little better. They're used, you know, like they can look at a dashboard and see that they're in the middle of the pack and they hate it and they want to be at the top. So I think there's certain things that working for me that I, that I look for, but a lot of it is that, you know, I'm going to go out of my way to, Hey, I want to be a sales rep and get to know the sales managers and get to know the reps that I support and kind of already outside of what they're already doing like of being the best like SDR for example they're getting ready for the next role because they want to know like when that opportunity comes up I'm the best bet hands down like I'm already mm -hmm. doing everything in my power to be ready for that role and so I think that's a good segue to to like what culture is right and culture is always this buzzword and everyone you know culture this culture that culture this culture that how would you describe your culture and this also is a fun experiment too, because I could follow up with a rep or a manager and say like, all right, did she nail it? How would you describe the culture of an Emmy Johnson sales team? <laughs> You're right. You should ask <laughs> managers and see if they say something different. Um, I think we have a really like fun culture and I've heard even from my superiors that it's like, uh, like a family environment and is that a bad thing? I don't think so because you, you care about your family. You can fight with your family, but you're, they're still your family. Like you, you care so much. And I think, um, that's, like I said, they kind of look at me as like their mom or their big sister or whatever, but they don't want to disappoint me. They don't want to let me down. Same thing with their managers. And so, you know, you know, my story of like <clears throat> when I became an SCR manager and I was like, that's a thing. Like, first of all, like, where was my SDR the whole time I was mm -hmm. a rep? Like, someone setting me appointments. I was cold calling my ass off, like, in a recession, kill me. Um, but also, like, th that's all they're doing. And, you know, that job is so thankless and so important, but not fun. And mm -hmm. so I was, like, on a mission to make it, like, fun for them or try anyway to make it fun. So I think it's obviously a lot harder now um, that we're working from home. So managing a remote workforce, it, it's much harder to do. 
you know, but I, I still like to try to, you know, play, play games with them remotely where if it's like battleship or something where it's like, Hey, set a meeting and sing someone on the opposite team. And they'll, we can do that remote. You know, it's obviously more fun in the office and you can play music and you can kind of get the energy up, but we still do those things. I also, you know, try to do skip one-on-ones like once a month if I can, where the reps are meeting with me and their manager, but I want them to feel connected to me. I don't want it to be like, you know, oh, I can't go to Emmy with things. Like I want them to feel like they have access to me and also to know them really well. So I think we just have a good, like, you know, fun, but also like it's a work hard, play hard culture Mm -hmm. where this job, we're going to make it fun. We're also going to, you know, realize how important it is. Um, like I try to once a year do an SDR appreciation day where everyone from the CEO, CRO reps, they send in videos and we do things throughout the day, um, for them. We cater lunch and cater breakfast and we do games and we make a video compilation of everyone thanking them and like in the organization. I think that's really important. They remember, you know, the organization knows how hard their job is, but how important it is. So. Mm -hmm. Man, see, you just unpacked so much there. There's no oh way I'm going to keep this under an hour. So here we go. Because I still I still remember this, right? This was before I knew who Emmy was, before we'd met. I was at the Topo Conference. And it was, you'll have to check me on my numbers here, but it was something along the lines where either they introduced you as or your backstory was, you know, through culture alone, you improved results. It was like like 60, 70% or something. It had nothing to do with cold calling scripting, nothing to do with emails. Just from how you treated your reps, you saw a massive increase in performance, right? Do you remember what those numbers were? Because I remember sitting there going like, this is so cool, right? Because also there's so many different ways to improve performance, right? And so do you remember what those numbers were? We're going back a few years now, but I just remember that I, jumped well, out at me so much. That was actually not at Xerox. That was at Focus because I was saying okay. I took over, well, the whole, like they asked me to speak about culture because when I was talking about like, you know, my biggest problem is keeping people um, in seat. I was like, I, at the time I was like, I have, you know, some SDRs that worked for me for like three, four years and they're getting, they're kind of itching to move on and we're not ready as an organization. We don't really have positions to put them in yet. So I'm trying to really hard to like keep them motivated. And they were like, Oh my God, you have SDRs that report for you for like three or four years. You're crazy. Like what? Talk about that. So that's where that led from. So they were talking about focus days, um, where I took over a really underperforming team. And that was when I was saying, you know, I didn't even know that the SDR thing was a, the job was a thing. And it was when it was starting to get more and more popular in SaaS companies for in particular. And so I was on this mission to make it fun. And I don't remember off the top of my head, but I had a highly underperforming team. And by just trying to make it fun for them, playing games and doing silly, like, um, like accolades, what do you call them? Like in high school, when you do your, um, the best, like most like, like most likely to succeed. Yeah, whatever yeah. called the um, superlatives. Like I would do those like once a quarter or whatever with the team and they would make them funny and we would do contests and like I would give them a little like plaques or awards and stuff like that. But that, you know, that went a long way and the, the team went from being an underperforming team to an overperforming team. And it was really just because I was making this boring kind of awful job, semi fun for them and, and making and really stressing the importance to them of what they're doing. 
Culture is not fluffy, y'all. When you do it the right way, it truly does drive behavior. Now, this is a segue, though, to how do you build a culture, right? So a lot of people are like, oh, I, you know, I want a fun culture. or Oh, I want to you know, make people feel cared for. And then they walk off, they do an offsite, they come back with like seven or eight core values and they go to the team and then it's like nothing. How did you build the culture? Because you have to do one of my new favorite quotes from Ben Horowitz, his latest book, What You Do Is Who You Are. And he says, if you do not intentionally build your culture, it'll happen on accident. And I love that quote because you have a culture, no matter what, you have a culture, it's just whether or not you built it. So how do you build a culture? Well, thankfully, I think, like I said before, I, I think part of it is just my personality. You know me, mm -hmm. Kev, like I'm, that's kind of just who I am is, you know, I want to enjoy life. I want this to be fun, but I want you to take it seriously and know that it's important and what you're doing. Um, and I really stress that. So I think part of it is the culture kind of came naturally, you know, with, with like who I am. But I do think in terms of like building that, it's just what's important to you, but you have to find a balance too. It's not all fun and games. It's, right. it's, Hey, we need to look at what's important. We need to drive the right behaviors. Um, and that could be through comp through whatever, like what do we as an organization need to get out of the team? And then you kind of work backwards. Like, okay, pipeline's really important or, okay, this is really important. Having comp plans that match that or, Hey, I'm going to do a spiff around this or, play a game because we need more ops or we need, uh, you know, we need more meetings this, this month or this week, or we need to catch this person up. Okay, cool. So let's do some kind of incentive around that where it's not only fun, but you're driving the behaviors that you want to see. So, so let's, let's use that as an example. What are some of your favorite either like contests or motivational things you've done to drive behavior? Right. Um, like what's, what's one we're like, all right, this was going poorly. We came up with this batshit crazy idea of a game or a contest and it led to X result. Oh God, put me on the spot. I'll probably think of a million things right afterwards. Um, let me think about it. I'll come back to you. There's, okay. there's stuff that we do like, you know, regularly, but I'm sure there's been a million times where we're like, Hey, we need to increase meetings or whatever. And that could be as simple as like, Hey, we, we're low on meetings this month, so we're going to play a game a week or we're going to do um, something, we're going to run a contest, you know, that drives these behaviors. Like, this isn't necessarily one, but we were trying to increase phone volume for a little while, so we did Game of Phones instead of Game of Thrones, like, you know, which was so fun. We gave them point, more points for the number of calls and then meetings and connections and stuff like that. So they had teams that were like Game of Thrones themed with their team, and that was really fun, you know, but it was driving a behavior that we were trying to increase. I like it. And now I want to back up because something you, you said, I wrote down, I circled it, like wrote it because I know something that I want to do. And I'm sure a lot of people when they heard it go, Ooh, that's a good idea. SDR appreciation day. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's back up to this. Cause I want to, I want to dive into what it is, who you get involved, like how to do this because it's something where like I'm sitting here listening to something I've always admired about you is every single time we talk, I'm like, God, 
damn it, that's, <laughs> shit, that's shit I need to be doing and I'm not. Like, so let's talk about this SDR appreciation day. Like what goes into this? Um, yeah. Is it like the same date every year? Like they look no. forward to it like Christmas? You just drop yeah. it on them? Like talk Although, to me about that it. That would be fun too, but it's kind of like the element of surprise is really fun. So the people that have been here know that we're going to do it sometime, but they don't know when. Um, so, but everybody gets involved, the whole company. So it's all around SDRs, but the whole company is involved. So leading up to like, so for example, this past year, um, we set the date and then I emailed like the whole company, obviously minus SDRs and said, Hey, this is what we're doing. These are the events we're going to run. One of the things that we're doing is we're going to compile a video. Um, so send in your video submissions by the state. So everybody from all the reps, all the managers, the CEO, the CRO, everybody um, sent videos of themselves. Some of them were really funny. Some of them were serious. Um, and then we had our great like video person edit it and compile it and put it to the um, Simply the Best music. Um, and so that was one of the things we did was play them this video. Um, happy to send it to you. It was awesome. But I... So that was, that was one thing we did leading up to it. But then I go in and obviously it's a little hard virtual. We can still do it. But um, I went in and decorated the desk and I have a, like balloons say SDR day, balloons on their desk um, and, and confetti and candy and whatever. So they, when they came in in the morning, they were like, what, what is this? Um, we catered breakfast, we catered lunch, we did superlatives. Um, we had the video that we showed them in our team meeting. Um, it just depends. We've done like a bunch of different things. We actually played you, Melissa Liu, um, from service site and gave you the idea of doing, um, Mario Kart. We put the three balloons on the desk. Mm -hmm. We did it this past SDR appreciation day as one of the events. Um, so, and that was fun because not only do you like pop the balloons and everybody hears it, it's just fun in general. Um, so yeah, I mean, we've done what other events, but we have like an event throughout the day and we usually end with happy hour. That the whole company's invited to this year. We did it on a rooftop deck and we had a karaoke machine and everything. And it, it was just fun. We got koozies and said SCR appreciation day and stuff. Hell great. yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know, koozies for those 40s i know you hand out on fridays when the reps are doing mm -hmm. doing well i want to find that out how that was on the wheel i remember i remember the wheel the 40s on the wheels like the um, wheel. oh we're doing the wheel virtual now so um josh shineman and my managers found like this like wheel that you can spin virtually so our team meetings they still can earn wheel spins and we do the wheel virtually they spin it they can go. It's, it's funny. I brought that back to my team, hoping that they would also be down for forties, but they picked Smirnoff instead. And I was like, "What happened to my team? Like, why? Why is Emmy's team throwing back Colt forty-five, and my team wants a Smirnoff ice you know so contest?" Funny. I try to put some like bad prizes on there, so we have some good prizes. It'll be like two hundred dollars Southwest gift card, or like now it's a lot of like mm -hmm. Amazon gift cards and stuff. But like, I think it's funny that one of the the wedges is like better luck next time. They hate it. So like, yes. I work so hard for my wheels spin. Like better luck next time. Are you kidding me? Um, I think it's hilarious. Yes. Uh, but then the forties, we were like, I think that's so funny. Get a free forty, whatever. I'm all, you know, I'm all for that. That's, that's amazing. So now with this, you know, you said something earlier. You said, you know, like this is just me. You know, this is me. So part of the culture comes from, from me. But what I want to touch on there is in sales and leadership, and especially, we're going to go here, especially with a lot of women in sales, 
being their authentic self, right? Not trying to put on a mask, not trying to be one of the boys, not trying to do something different. It's something I've admired about you from, from day one is you're authentic. Like, I guess, and you said earlier that you were a little bit too nice sometimes, like when, you know, you, you came into the game, like when did you either feel or make the decision to just be you, right? And be comfortable with that, not feel like you had to be something different for other people. That's a great question. I, I think I still work on that all the time and I appreciate you saying that. Thank you, Kevin. Um, it's, it's not easy. Like that's why, you know, shameless bug for girls club, but it's great because as you know, like there are so few women in sales anymore, especially in sales leadership. And I work in cybersecurity right now. There's like no women. So even like at one point I didn't have a girl on my team for a long time because it was so hard to get not only women in sales, but women in sales and cybersecurity, like forget it, like the most unsexy thing ever. So, um, you know, that's what they're really promoting is like, you know, you hear that old adage of like sales is good old boys club and Lauren Bailey is like, fuck that. Like, no, it's not like we need to change that attitude, but you're right. Because when you sometimes like speak up or you're yourself, um, you can be seen as a bitch and that's kind of the unfortunate reality. I'm very fortunate to work in an environment with a lot of male leaders who, um, are very supportive, especially being that I'm a single mom and that, you know, all the things I, you know, I have other issues that, you know, they're very, very accommodating of. Um, so, you know, I'm lucky, but that's, that surely still happens where, you know, it's hard. And to answer your question about like, when did I make that switch? You know, I, I'm not sure if I can pinpoint the exact time. I think you know, as I've gotten older a little bit, it's just kind of like, I realize like, this is who I am, like it or not. And so either I'm going to work for a company that, you know, supports that and, you know, and supports me as a leader or I'm not, you know, and, and so I'm very fortunate that Xerofox is like that, but I know that not all companies are, and I, you know, mentor a lot of women. I, I have a lot of women that are, that are, I'm friends with that that's not the case for them. And, and so, you know, it is a fine balance and I just want to support young, younger women and, and know like, it's okay to like be yourself. But I remember you gave me this advice actually is there is a fine balance of, you know, finding your voice and speaking up and kind of the way you say things. And I'm sometimes guilty of being almost too authentic. You know me, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I just pop yeah. off sometimes and I wear my heart on my sleeve for better, or for worse. But, um, you know, sometimes you have to rein it in or it's, it's not what you're saying. It's how you're saying. And I remember you gave me this advice and it was like, Oh my God, you're right. Where, Sometimes I'll push back and be like, I don't think this is a good idea. And this is why, and here's the data to, to back it up and the blah, blah, blah. But eventually, you know, leaders or executives, all they hear is no, no, no. And eventually they say, well, we're going to cut Emmy out of this conversation because all she does is no. All she says is no. When in reality, it's, well, why are you asking that? Because what end result do you want? It doesn't matter how we get there. I think we can get there this way. Okay. You want, you want to see this increase? Okay, cool. I think we should, if we do this and this, we'll get that same result rather than just saying no to the way that, you know, they're looking at it. And that was such good advice. And especially coming from male, cause I think it's perceived sometimes wrong, the wrong way coming from a female or better for us. 
No, for sure. And so what would be, I guess, a direct piece of advice to some of the young women in the game right now who are coming up that want to be managers or want to be in leadership? What would be some of the advice that, you know, you'd almost give Emmy 10 years ago, right? Coming up in the game, hungry, yeah. you want to be doing this. What would some of that advice be? Um, well, some of it actually, you know, I would say I was talking to my mentor and mentee recently about was kind of self-promotion where I think we just assume, Hey, if I do, if I do all the things right, they're going to recognize me. They're going to promote me. They're going to like whatever, but that doesn't always happen. And not for, you know, any bad reason. It's just like, everybody's moving mile minute, doing the million things. I remember LB actually telling me one time, Laura Bailey, um, who's one of my mentors saying that one time, one of her employees, one of her best employees who was like in marketing, um, came to her and said, I want to raise, or I want to raise in a title change. And this is why I think I deserve it. And here was the data to back it up. And she goes, and Emmy, I literally was like, Oh my God, I just hadn't thought of it because I'm doing my own thing. I'm going a million miles a minute. Meanwhile, one of my best employees wasn't happy. She goes on that day, that, that girl got a $30,000 raise because she showed me comps and she showed me why it was whatever. And she was like, I just didn't think of it. So, you know, one of the advice is like, you really need to promote yourself more and, and just say like, these are my accomplishments. This is what I'm doing. This is what's fair. Um, you know, I, I think that's, and you give me that advice all the time. It's obviously easier said than done, especially when you're, you know, kind of humble and you're like, you oh, know, they'll realize, you know, they'll see it. Um, but it doesn't always happen. Um, that and just trying to, you know, especially coming up in the game, like always having that vision of like what you want to do next and what can I do to prepare myself for that role? So if you want to be in sales or you want to be a sales manager, you know, start acting like that, start dressing like that, start talking to those people, making sure they know that that's your intentions mainly. It's just like getting a job. You know what I mean? It's like, if everybody in your network doesn't know that you're looking for a job, then you're doing yourself a disservice. Like everybody should know. Same thing as like promoting yourself or if you're wanting the next step, everybody should know that that's your intention. So you can say, what else can I do? Obviously, you know, exceeding in your current role is like the most important thing, but then what can I do to prepare myself to get ready? I, I love that. And it's so, so true. I have two close um, mentees that I work with right now, both of whom are um, sales leaders, women, women in the game. You guys would know who they were if I, if I name drop them, but I'm not going to put them out there like <laughs> that right now. But both of them, when I was trailing them around, like how they were talking about comp and how they were looking at their roles and even things as stupid as like LinkedIn. I was like, you need to do a little bit more out there to get it. And they both said, well, I'm just going to let my results speak for themselves. I know. And I had to explain to them, it's like, you know, as much as you think that's enough, it's not. Because if you never ask, if you never make it known, if you never make it obvious, and also too, quick mail bashing here, how good are guys at picking up on the little things? <laughs> how, how good are we at noticing these little subtle things? We're, we're not. Always. And so if you're also working for a male boss, you got to also understand we're not good at some of that. Some are better than others, but still looking at like what, like what data they're looking at. They might be looking mm -hmm. at the picture, not the individual or whatever. Like, you right. don't know what you're seeing where if you show them, Hey, these are my accomplishments. This is what we did. Like, it's like, Oh, Oh, okay. Right. Like, you know, sometimes that yes. alone is eye-opening. Yes. I've been known to ask someone if they cut their hair a week after they cut their hair. 
All right. Well, so that's like, another, that's another thing I think, and you know, everybody should get better at this is those little things make a big difference. Mm-hmm. So I, someone gave me a compliment recently of like, you always notice like those kind of things like that I got a haircut or that whatever. And that makes people feel good. And I noticed that not that long ago, there would be, I would be thinking things internally like, Oh, I really like that shirt. Just say that out loud. Why don't you say it? Like mm-hmm. that would make that person's day, you know? So I started to do that more. And I think I was already like, okay at it, but I've been doing it. I've been making a mental note to do it more because it really does go a long way. Stupid things like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And real quick before anyone goes like, wait, wait, wait. So you're telling me I should compliment all of my employees on how they look. That's not what we're saying. Calm down. We're saying give genuine, real recognition, right? And so we talked contest earlier, but I want to talk recognition. How do you like to recognize your reps for a good job? Like what are some things that you like to do there to make sure that they do know that you care? Because that's something too, is if you ask most leaders, if they care about their team members, they'll say, of yes. Yeah, and then if you ask most team members, if their leaders care, there can be a gap there because you have to show people you care. You can't just tell them, right? So how do you like to show your team you care outside the appreciation days? Yeah. Like what are things you like to do to recognize your reps? You know, it's funny. And you know, that's because we talk about this. I think some of it has to do with like the generation of SCRs in particular, but like I, I joke that I'm like, I could offer them a thousand dollars or do you want me to email the CEO? And they'd be like, email the CEO with my recognition. But because recognition is so important. And so, you know, I would say you can't always control the comp. You're going to have a little bit of say, but like that's going to come from finance and whatever. Like you kind of have to, you know, play that game a little bit. Same thing with the promotions. I can only promote you as quick as the organization is hiring. So like, I don't have so much flexibility there. You might be ready and organization might not be ready for you, but I can control like, you know, the recognition, you know, and, and the, the fun kind of like the culture. So in terms of recognition, you know, I even, you know, think I could do more, but I try to recognize them and team meetings in front of everybody. I like to send out what I call my happy dance email. I joke around because I like to dance when things are going good. But I'll I'll send that and copy the CMO, the CEO, the CRO. They can forward on if they want. But it's like, you know, these people set the most meetings, close the most deals, like have the most pipeline, great you know, logos that we close or, or that are in pipeline and just any good stories. But that goes a long way of being, of them feeling recognized. I also probably once a quarter give um, a department update at our all hands meeting. Um, and so I'll try to recognize people there just like it might happen to Nancy as well, but it's like, it's a longer period. Um, and so I try to do that so that they're being publicly recognized across the company. And so, and then also my managers will send those emails to um, where, you know, they, you know, we try hard because that's really important. It does go a long way. Yeah. When, when I join a new company, when I sit down with the reps and with the managers, you know, I ask them a lot of questions around like work and motivation and recognition. I take them through a little recognition checklist of like, so like, how do you like to be recognized? Right. And I'll say in public or in private, like, do you want me standing out on the floor and saying great job? Or do you want just a, you know, a note privately? They're like, um, and they'll answer. Right. And then I go, okay, peers or leadership. Do you want me to recognize you amongst your peers or do you want me to recognize you to leadership, right? Hey, everyone, look at what Emmy just did. Hey, Luke, look at what Emmy just did, right? Do you like experiences or tangible things? 
right? $500, you know, night on the town with your significant other, $500 Apple watch, right? And like I take them through this list of checklists because oftentimes when you ask people how they want to be recognized, they can't tell you. But then you give them situations and say, okay, do you want an email sent to Luke? Or do you want an email sent to all like your boys on the team saying like, yo, like look what so-and-so just did. So I love to ask those, those questions. And it's a, because people don't know. You ask people like what motivates them. They'll say money. It's not true. Totally. Right. But if you give them options, like, and it's an either, or you can actually learn a lot about, okay, private or public. And there's one other one. Um, Oh, um, uh, how do I phrase this? Like physical or spoken, right? Some people want that fist bump. Yeah. Right? I'm, I'm a fist bumper and I'm a high fiver and I'm a hugger. Like that's who I am. People know that. That's not how everyone like wants that. Right. So it's like, do you like the physical or do they just like the, Hey, great job, you know, and all that. So I encourage people asking those, those questions. And speaking of recognition, this isn't a question. This is just a moment for me to recognize you. One other thing that I just greatly admire about you, I'm gonna make you uncomfortable here real quick. I didn't tell you I was going to do this is what you've been able to accomplish as a mother and as a single mother, as a young man who was raised by a single mom, you know, the amount of respect I have for what you do and how you do it and the kids that you are raising and how they're being raised, even if they're coming out with blue hair, even if they're interrupting meetings, asking what pipeline is like, I just have so much respect for you. I admire you so much for, for that. And I think you set such a good example, not only for your kids, but also all the other moms out there. So that's just my recognition to you. You you. you don't, you had all, that's all you can say is thank you. You're not allowed to respond. You're not allowed to do it. So I hope you're right about them turning out good I, I'm just doing what I can I I you know I do hope that one day they they probably won't now but we'll look back and be like oh my god mom worked her ass off and like was trying to provide for us I'm hoping that they will realize that one day um or and that I can be you know any kind of you know example for other single moms or just moms in general like you know I was talking to a friend recently who is a first-time mom and she was like Oh my God, like, how do you do this? Like, and she, she works and, and she's another like SCR leader. And she was like, this is crazy. And it is. And I think you just, um, you kind of like, I always say to people, like, just figure out a way to do it. And, you know, it's like anything, one kid to two kids, two kids to three kids, single mom, it's all, you just, you deal with it and you just make the best of it. And every time, you know, something else piles on and just figure it out just like everybody else would. I'm like, you were a single mom, you know, if you lost your husband tomorrow, you would figure it out because you have to, you know? Mm -hmm. So, but thank you for saying that. Absolutely. And thank you for you being you and bringing all that to the game. So as we wrap up here, we got two final questions. So the first one is by my, one of my personal favorites, the big three right? So we've been talking for almost 45 minutes now, a lot about culture and recognition and getting the most out of your people and motivation. If they forgot everything except for three things, three things around culture and motivation, inspiration, anything, what would those three things be that you'd want them to remember from our conversation if they forgot everything else? Um, I would definitely say one, like in no particular order make a point to recognize people. Mm-hmm. It really goes a long way. And I think we get caught up in doing what we're doing and we forget. I, I'm guilty of this too, of just like, you know, oh my God, like I'm doing a million things I forgot. That's so important to me. I need to do it. I even got like our, our CEO slapped me on the wrist one time because he was like, stop apologizing for not sending it or happy dance email. Everybody, you're busy. Like, 
it's going to happen. Like, just don't put a time frame on it. Don't say you have to send it out every week. Just send it out when you can. And I was like, yeah, you're right. But just making a point to do that is really, really important. Um, you know, in terms of, and not even just for women, but you know, men too, but women, especially coming up in the game, like definitely don't forget like self-promotion and don't feel embarrassed about, you know, promoting yourself or find, you know, hype men or hype women <laughs> that'll, that'll promote you. Cause I think that's important too. Um, you know, just, just find people if you're not comfortable doing it yourself that are going to help like elevate you. Cause I think that's really important. Um, and kind of in that same vein, like I think having a network and finding mentors, we didn't even really talk about this, this much, but having people that you can call on, like mm -hmm. if I call you all the time or I'll bounce ideas off at you and I have other people that I certainly am like, Hey, what do you think about this? Or we're doing this. Like, what did you see work? Um, that's so important. So just like developing that network of, of people that you trust and that, you know, are leaders that you can bounce ideas off because that's like, that is critical, at least for me. Um, and partly part of my success is like having people that I can kind of rely on and, and try different ideas and bounce things off of. It's really important. No. I, I love it. I love it. And then we're going to wrap on this here, right? So the name of this podcast is Live Better, Sell Better, right? Like focusing on the person in salesperson. And we talked quite a bit about the person so far today, but what would be your parting advice to live better? What are, what's some, you know, how to get more out of life or more joy or better self care that also then, you know, it carries over? Because if we take better care of ourselves, there is no work life balance, right? It's integrated. Like it's really hard to have a rough home life and be great at work or vice versa. So what would be like your live better tip for everyone? Yeah. I mean, well, not doing that really well right now, especially with quarantine. Mm -hmm. I'm, it was funny. Our CRO and I were joking. He, he puts me on a dip drinking improvement plan. I'm like, I'm crushing my dip right now. Yeah. yeah. I'm not recommending that. I'm not recommending that. Um, actually our CEO had a good the other day he does a fireside chat with like um, individual teams and he had actually good advice. He said, I never, if I'm having a bad day, I never, I don't drink at all, which I think a lot of like culture is like, I had a bad day. I need a glass of wine. I need a beer or whatever. He's like, and it, it's great advice. Cause it is like, you know, it can go really bad. Like if you start drinking and then you like compound So he's like, I never drink. I think that's really good advice. Mm -hmm. But in terms of just in general, like living better, I think, being gracious with yourself, especially right now in this time, it's so hard. Like, so for me, you know, I'm an athlete and working out is really like important to me, but I, you know, it's really hard for me. I'm, I'm working from home. I'm a single mom. There's no, there, I don't really have a lot of time. So unless I get up extra early and work out before the kids wake up, I can't just go to the gym in the afternoon or whatever the kids are home. So, you know, when we were in the office, I would go on my lunch break when I could, um, and I don't have that luxury now. So I have to be a little bit gracious with myself and just understand it's not going to happen the way it always was, but that's okay. It's just doing things that like for me working out and really sleeping is so important. So for me, like, okay, maybe I didn't work out today, but I'm going to make sure I'm going to get eight hours of sleep. Like I have to have that or else I'm like, you know, and so, you know, that's really important, but just in general, like you know, I think not being so hard on yourself, like, Oh, it didn't work out today or whatever. Like, you know, it's, it's okay. It's going to be okay. Do it tomorrow. And like, you know, it's, you don't have to wait for the perfect scenario. Just do the best you can. That's kind of, that's kind of my, you know, 
motto in general is like, do the best you can and, and don't worry about it. Stop comparing yourself to other people. If you feel like you had a good day, you had a good day. No, I, I love that. And especially because oftentimes that parting advice is always like this super aspirational, you know, like I'd recommend getting a morning routine that takes about an hour long with five minutes of this and that. And it's like, okay, okay, I, I, I could do that. But I, I love that as advice is like, yes, you take care of yourself. But part of that is not beating yourself up if you're not on track, you know, and everything there. And I think the other thing too, when you said about like having morning routine or whatever, of course we want to we all want to do those things, but then not beating yourself up if it doesn't happen. So I try, like I have a morning routine where I try to get up and work out. I read like one thing a day and try to actually read like my more, I'll call them business book, but like more self-help business related books in the morning. I have my cup of coffee and read. If I don't do that or don't work out one day, it's okay. You know, mm -hmm. it's not, it's not the end of the world. And I think that's the biggest thing is just you know, not being so hard on yourself all the time if you're not like sticking to every little thing that you set forth because that's how you, that's when you fail, you know, when you mm -hmm. yourself up because you didn't work out one day and then you just give up, you know. My goodness gracious. I mean, after this episode, don't be shocked if people out there do an Emmy Johnson Appreciation Day because holy cow, did you tell us not only how to take care of our people, but also how to take better care of ourselves. Emmy, you know I love you. You know I got nothing but love for you and what you do in this industry. Thank you so much for being on the show and we'll have you back again. Can't wait. All right, later. Bye.